This morning we're back in the book of Proverbs, um, our new series I've titled Wisdom for Youth. And again, my goal is to teach you what Proverbs has to say, what Proverbs has to uh, teach you about the issues of life that are pertinent to your age. Okay, the, the issues, the topics that you guys are going through or, or going to go through um, in this particular season of your life as, as a teenager. And two Sundays ago, we started with friendship, with friendship. And as a way of introduction, I want, I want to show you guys, I want to take you way, way back uh, where relationships began. Where do, you think, where do you think relationships began in the Bible? Yes. In, in the beginning, where? Adam and Eve, right? So go, go turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Just as a, as a summary of context here, remember Genesis 1 was about what? Genesis chapter 1. Creation, right? Uh, creation, how many days? Six days, right? And seventh day God... Uh, rested, not because he got tired from creating, but because he finished his creating, right, his creation. So, so that's, that's Genesis chapter 1. Now, Genesis chapter 2 is kind of like, um, uh, like a zoom in on, on the sixth day. So Genesis chapter 1, all, all the days of creation, and then Genesis chapter 2, Moses um, focuses and zooms in what happened on the sixth day, okay, on the sixth day. What happened on the sixth day? What was created? What was it? The last, the last thing. What's that? Man. man. Yeah, man. So now Genesis 2 uh, focuses on how God created man. So look at Genesis chapter 2, um, starting in verse 7. Okay, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of dust... From the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So if you if you read Genesis chapter one, that already happened, and now he's talking about it again. Why why is that? Well, Moses is is highlighting and focusing on what happened on day six. Fast forward to verse fifteen. Verse fifteen Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden. Of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Uh, and then he says in verse 16, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, because in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Literally, it says, You will die, die. Surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone, so I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, did God make a helper suitable for Adam right away, as soon as God said that? It's not good for Adam to be alone, so I'm going to make sure that I give him a companion, a suitable helper. Did God ma make that or provide that person right away for Adam? No, he doesn't, right? God didn't. Look at, look at verse 19. You would expect that he would make this helper suitable for Adam and give this person to him right away after he said that, but 
he doesn't do that right, right away. Verse 19, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky. Now, you, you, if this was your first time reading this, you, you, you probably would say, okay, so maybe these are the helpers that God, that God is providing for, for Adam. And brought them to the man, to Adam, to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Now here's the question, students. Why do you think God had Adam name all the animals first before he gave him the helper that he was going to provide for him? Why, 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 why did it that way? Why did God do it that way? I'm going to give you one, a suitable helper for you. It's not good for you to be alone. But before I do that, let me just, you know, make some animals and, have you, and parade them in front of you and have, and have you name all of them. And then I'll make one for you. Well, wh why did God do it that way? What do you guys think? Any guess? Why do you think? What would Adam, how, how would Adam, uh, how would have Adam responded? You know, goats come by like, goat, not suitable for me. You know, a cow walks by, a cow, yeah, not suitable for me. You know, some frogs, you know, leap across in front of him. Yeah, frogs, not suitable for me. Yes, Pookie. So that he would be more thankful for Eve. Yes, yes, that's, that's a great answer. Yep, yep. What else? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he wanted Adam to see that, that, his, uh, that his greatest need was a companion. And he wanted Adam to know also that his companionship was not going to come from animals okay i know there's some of you who are who are pet lovers you know and you'd probably call your dog you know your best friend um but god did that so that he would teach adam that hey you know what your greatest need is adam companionship and guess what your companionship is not going to come from animals not from any of these animals you just get to name them you just get to be have authority over them but your companionship is going to come from another person. Okay? A person. Not an animal, not a cat, not a dog. Companionship, true companionship. Okay? That's meaningful and substantial. Just the way God made it is going to come from another person. Look at verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, that's Adam, and he slept. Then God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned or, or made into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Now, what do you think is the lesson from the story? What do you guys think that, that, uh, that you can apply to your life today? I know this was, you know, five, six, seven thousand years ago or more. Um, 
But what's, what's the lesson? What do you guys think? For you. Yes. It's good, yeah. I'd probably be used a, a, a stronger word than, than good, than, than it is good to have a human companion. But it is what? Necessary. Okay, it's necessary to have companionship. Okay, the lesson from, from this story, from this short story, is that God made us to be relational people. Whether you like it or not, you know, I don't care if you say, well, yeah, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert. It doesn't matter. That's just personality, right? But, but the lesson is that God made us to be relational people. He designed us to be with people, to have friends, to live with other Christians in the church, and one day to be what? Married. Okay? One day, Lord willing, to be Made. We're made to be relational people. We're made for companionship, guys. Okay? When you, when you look at um, um, Genesis chapter 3, right? And, and then Adam and Eve, they sin, right? What's the consequence for their sin? They get banished from the garden, right? You know what that is? Isolation. Okay? Isolation. And then next thing you know, right? Um, Cain and Abel, right? They sin. What happened? What's the consequence? Isolation again. Guess what? Sin will always do two things to you. It will, it will always cause you pain, whether that's physical or, or emotional or spiritual, and also it will cause you isolation. So guess what? The, 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 the intent of God when he created Adam and Eve was companionship, and then now sin will isolate you from relationship, from companionship. Okay? Again, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh yeah, you got to be more friendly like the other person. You know, don't stop calling yourself introvert or extrovert. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, that God's design is for us to be relational people. Okay? And, and, and uh, that we need to get into meaningful, deep companionship. Because sin will what? Isolate. Okay? And that's one of the punishments we, we use for our kids, you know, other than physical uh, punishment, is when they sin, we isolate them. That's what sin does. And deep down, you know that every kid wants what? Companionship. Wants to be included, right? So it, sometimes probably they'd, you know, they'd probably have um, the spanking more than the isolation because that hurts more because they want to be around people. So we isolate them. You don't get to eat dessert with your siblings. You don't get to watch the show with your siblings. You go, you go in your room, you know, just you and your pillow, no books. That's isolation. The opposite of God's design, companionship, relationship. So, so this is important, students. Two, uh, two Sundays ago, we started to look at two wisdom principles regarding friendships. And we only had time to look at the first one, which was choose your friends carefully. I don't have time to... Uh, to review that. That's the first wisdom principle is to choose your friends carefully. And um, we talked about the kinds of friends that you don't want, right? And the, and the kinds of friends that, that you do want, that you want to pursue. If you miss that, you can go online, um, I think on Spotify, and you can just look up Student Ministries, NCC Student Ministries, and you can listen to that, to that sermon from two Sundays ago. 
This morning, we're going to look at the second wisdom principle regarding friendships. And on your handout, it's to develop your friendships intentionally. So after you have chosen your friends carefully, what you want to do is you develop your friendships. Okay, you, you pour into the relationships. Okay, you, you grow the companionship. You, 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 um, you invest in those relationships is what I mean. Now, if you want to do that, and you should, you're going to need to pay attention to your heart attitude. Okay, it's all about attitude when it comes to developing friendships. Okay, your attitudes, students, is going to either make or break your friendships. Okay, your heart attitudes. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So, again, just like two Sundays ago, we're going to look at... Um, the, the do's and the don'ts, or the don'ts and the do's. So, first of all, we, I want to point you to what Proverbs has to say about the attitudes to put off. Okay, attitudes that you're going to want to put off um, in order to really grow your friendships. And, and because uh, we're, we don't have a lot of time, um, I'm just going to pick what I thought, um, you know, three or four uh, important ones that really break relationships and friendships, okay? The first one is arguing, okay, arguing. Why, why do you think you argue with your friends often? And if you say you don't, then maybe you're just not close enough with that friend. <laughs> yes, Joshua? Because we're sinners. Because we're sinners. Yeah, that's, that's the, the best answer, the greatest answer. What else? Why do we argue with our friends? Yes, Emery. We're stubborn people. Yes, Grace. Prideful. The boys are laughing here. Because they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah, our friends are wrong sometimes. Yeah, and they don't want to admit it. And that causes arguments. I get that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. What else? Why do we argue with our friends? Yes, Ryan. From pride, yeah, from pride. You guys are right. We're sinners, we're selfish. Here's another one that I wrote down. We're entitled, right? We're entitled. And here's another one that I'm seeing more and more in my own heart and, and also the young people. We're easily what? Offended. Easily offended. Things that shouldn't cause arguments do cause arguments because we're easily offended. Here's a couple of simple advice from Proverbs. Okay, number one, you need to avoid unnecessary arguments. Okay, avoid unnecessary arguments at all costs. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Avoid unnecessary arguments at all costs. Proverbs chapter 3. And if you notice in your, on your handout, I gave like three, sometimes more Proverbs uh, regarding that topic. Uh, we're not going to cover all of them, so I'll just, I'll just walk you through, through uh, a few of them. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 30. And, and do your best to turn to these Proverbs so that you can, you can uh, follow as I read. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 30. Avoid unnecessary arguments at all costs. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. I like the NIV's translation here. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Okay, make sure you don't, you're not a, I call a, 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 a brawler. Okay, someone who spoils for a fight. You know, just want to, just want to, 
get into an argument for argument's sake. Okay, kind of like that sibling. I hope, that, I hope it's not you or your sibling, right, who just, I just want to get into a fight today. You know, take, some, take my sibling's toy or, or, you know, blame him for the dirty laundry. You know, just that, that person, a brawler, someone who spoils for a fight, make sure you're not like that. Make sure you don't pick a fight with your friends for no reason or, or just to annoy your friends. Don't be like that. That breaks a friendship. So avoid unnecessary arguments at all costs. Secondly, you want to deal with necessary arguments immediately. Okay, you, you are going to argue. You're going to be wrong. Your friend's going to be wrong. Okay? So you would want to deal with necessary arguments immediately. There are necessary arguments, but you need to deal with them immediately. Look at Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 14. The beginning of strife or argument or fight is like letting out water. So abandon the quarrel or the strife or the fight before it breaks out. What's, what's he talking about here? The principle here is that you don't make the situation worse than it is. Okay, instead, you talk it through and you resolve it immediately before it gets, what, out of control, before it gets out of hand. You know, a simple, a simple uh, offensive comment, if you, don't, if you don't deal with it immediately, it's going to become very offensive, and then now more things are said, and now it's like, you know, a, a little water that's coming out of a hole in a dam, and then now it's, it's cracking, and now it's going to break, it's going to let loose, and now it's out of hand. That's the principle. There are necessary arguments that you're going to have with your friends. Why? Because you're sinners, right? You need to be corrected. Your friend needs to be corrected. But when, when those things happen, you need to deal with them immediately. Here's another uh, hard attitude that breaks friendships. Gossiping. Okay? Gossiping, number two. How would you guys define gossip? Yes, Haven. Talking about someone behind their back. Yep. Anyone else want to add to that? Yes. Yeah, spreading rumors about somebody. Yeah. Gossip is to share any information with someone, whether it's true or not. Okay? Make sure you guys get that. It's to share an information about someone, whether it's true or not. When you are not what? Allowed. When you are not allowed. I share a lot of information about a lot of people in the church with other people, but I, I am allowed. Once, once I am not allowed, I would, and I do it anyway, I'm what? Gossiping. And you can't say, well, I'm not gossiping because, you know, what I'm telling my friend about our other friend is actually true. Well, you, were you allowed to say that? No then you are a gossip. Okay, whether it's true or not, if you're sharing that information about somebody when you're not allowed, then you're gossiping. Listen to what Proverbs has to say about gossip, okay? Number one, gossip is desirable. Okay, who here has gossiped before? According to those definitions. Yeah, all of us. Okay, here's why, okay? Here's why we gossip because it's desirable. Go gossip is desirable. Look at Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse... 
Where is it? The whisper. Verse 8. Verse 8. The words of a whisper or a gossip are like dainty morsels. Okay, I think of uh, when I, every time I read that, that, that description, dainty morsels, I think of the, the chocolate chips that my wife has in her freezer all the time. Like so small, you know, I just get like maybe three at a time, five at a time, sometimes ten at a time every time I walk by the fridge and I just pop in my mouth, eat them, right? Kind of like that. That's the picture. Our kids do it too, not just me. That's why we go to Costco and get the big ones. Um, so that's the picture here. The words of a gossip are like dainty morsels. Okay, The information that a gossip will share with you is like those you know, Hershey's chocolate chips. Look at the second line. And they go down. Once you hear them, once it's shared with you, they go down into the innermost parts of the body. The point here is that we gossip because it's desirable. It's pleasurable. Just be honest, students. Be honest with yourself. You like knowing something about someone else because it makes you feel good. Right? Do you really need to know? No. But why do you need to know? This makes me feel good. To know an information about somebody else. That's what it's saying here. It makes you feel good. So, so know, students, this first principle about gossip. Gossip is desirable. It's pleasurable. And that temptation to gossip is very strong. It's like walking by the fridge and you know there are dainty morsels in there. There are these small, sweet, sweet, um, semi-sweet chocolate chips. And you just pop them in, you just pop them in. Why would you do that? Well, it just tastes good, Right? It's easy to access. You can just have one or five or ten, right? makes you feel good about yourself. That's, that's gossip, students. Okay? When somebody tempts you to gossip, know right away that, that whatever the information is that that person wants to share with you, it's, it's already here a strong temptation because we like knowing things about other people. Okay? Just be honest with yourself. This is one of the strongest temptations that you face is gossip. So gossip is desirable. Secondly, gossip is divisive. It's divisive. It, it divides friendships, relationships. Proverbs 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse man a bad person, evil motives, spreads strife. And a slanderer, okay, a gossip, a whisperer, separates intimate or close friends. That's what gossip will do. It's divisive. It takes, listen, students, it takes a lot of work, okay? It takes a lot of work to gain trust from your friends, but it only takes how many gossips, you think, to break that trust? One. Okay, only takes one gossip to, the, to be divisive, to, to, to lose the trust and possibly even end the friendship. So gossip is desirable, it's divisive. Thirdly, gossip is disloyal. It's disloyal. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a slanderer, okay, a gossip, a whisperer, 
reveals secrets. Again, it doesn't have to be true or it doesn't have to be untrue, but if you're not allowed, then that's a secret. He who goes about doing that, revealing secrets, therefore, do not associate with that person. Do not be friends with that kind of person, a gossip, a slanderer, or a whisperer. Why? Because that's disloyal. It's un- untrust- untrustworthy. Remember this, students, okay? If someone, if someone is willing to gossip with you, you know, kind of like a whisperer giving you dainty morsels, hey, did you know about so-and-so? Hey, did you hear about what so-and-so posted on social media? Hey, did you know what happened last night at the rehearsal, whatever, right? When someone is willing to gossip with you, guess what? That person is willing to gossip about you. Okay, if they have no self-control to keep a secret or an information that they're not allowed to share, if they don't have self-control over that, guess what? They're not going to have self-control to keep a secret between you and that person. So a person who's willing to gossip with you is going to be willing to gossip about you. So that breaks a friendship. So arguing, gossiping, here's the third one, jealousy and envy. And I kind of want to put them together, okay, because one, they have a lot of similarities and one can lead to, another, to the other. Jealousy and envy. What do you think is the root of uh, being jealous and being envious among friends? What, what do you think is the root cause of that? Yeah. What's that? I want for something they have. Yeah, yeah. What else? The root cause. Yes. Discontentment. Okay, discontentment. You're either discontent of your looks, discontent of what you have, discontent of the friends that God gave you, discontent of the kinds of friends whom God gave you, a lot of just discontentment everywhere. If you are a discontent friend, you are going to tend to be jealous and envious. Look at Proverbs 14. Okay, just how how uh, dangerous discontentment is because it produces jealousy and envy. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. A peaceful, a tranquil, peaceful heart or a, a content, you can say, heart is life to the body. Not just physical body, but to the people around that person. Someone who's content, Someone who is at peace gives life, vitality to not just himself, but to other people. But jealousy, okay, so the opposite of a tranquil, quiet, content heart, jealousy, someone who is discontent, is jealous and envious, is rottenness to the bones. What does that mean? It just affects everything. It ruins everything. Okay, if you are discontent, and you are all about yourself, you're going to end up using your friends for selfish motives. Okay, if you're discontent, all about yourself, guess what? You may have a lot of friends, but you're going to end up using your friends for your own benefit, selfishly, instead of serving your friends. So, you don't want to do that. Um, Again, I have... You know, you can read Proverbs and you can find a lot of other hard attitudes that will break friendships uh, that you need to put off. But I thought these three main ones are at least the ones I've, I've experienced before and, and um, 
constantly have to tell people to avoid. Not just friendships, but even in marriage. There's a lot of arguing, a lot of, a lot of jealousy and envy, and a lot of gossiping. So, so um, again, you can find other ones as you read the book of Proverbs. Now, let's transition to the other side, attitudes to put on. Okay, the attitudes that you would want to put on in your friendships. The first one is love. Okay, that's the first one. And again, as we, as we go through these Proverbs, guys, I want you to be thinking about your rela- relationships, not just with your friends, but with your siblings, with your parents, okay, classmates, everybody. Okay, the first one is love, okay? Listen, here's how I define love, and we'll see if uh, uh, the first couple... I uh, officiated their marriage, if, at their wedding, if they remember the definition of love. I'm, I won't put you guys on the spot, but to, to love your friends is to meet their needs, okay, even when it costs you, uh, regardless if they deserve it or not, and without expecting anything in return. That's how you're to love anybody. That's biblical love. That's Christian love. And you can apply it to your friends, okay? It's to meet your friends' needs, okay? Even when it costs you, whatever that is, money or time, reputation, whether they deserve it or not. You know, they they don't have to uh, work to get your love, whether whether they deserve it or not, and without expecting anything in return. Why do I define it that way? Well, that's because that's how Jesus Christ loved you and me, loved sinners, right? He met our greatest need, you know, to be forgiven, and it cost him, right, cost him his life, and he did it when we didn't deserve it, right, without expecting anything in return from us. So if you are a Christian and you say you love your friends, that's how you ought to love your friends, Look at Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves when he gets something in return. Is that what it say? A friend loves when he gets paid for it. A friend loves when he gets the toy that he wants from his friend. A friend loves when he gets more friends by being loving to another friend. A friend loves when he becomes more popular. No, it says, a friend loves at all times. It doesn't matter. Look at the second line. And a brother is born for adversity. Now, this proverb can be interpreted in two ways, okay? It can be the two lines, the first one and the second line, they can be opposite of each other or what? Synonymous or similar to each other. I, I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's synonymous. Okay, a friend loves at all times. It's talking about. It's talking about. You can say the, the, the the time or the quantity all the time. And also, a brother is born for difficult times or adversity. You, you, you talking more about the the reliableness of a brother. I don't think it's saying that. Yeah, if you you need a friend who is going to love you all the time. And yeah, you're one of your siblings, your brother. Yeah, he's just gonna he's just gonna show up to make your hard, hard uh, to make your life difficult. I don't think it's saying that. I don't think it's the opposite. I think it's this, the, it's uh, synonymous here. 
The lesson here is that you need to be a friend who loves all the time, just like a sibling who you can always count on, especially when it's difficult. So you want to be that friend who loves at all times, meeting the needs of your friend, even when it costs you, even, it, even when they don't deserve it without expecting anything in return. That makes a friendship. Second, second attitudes, uh, set of attitudes to put on. Confession and forgiveness. Why do we argue a lot? You guys said earlier, why? Because we are, Joshua said. Sinners. Okay, so what do we do a lot to be called sinners? What do we do? Sin, right? So if we do a lot of sinning, we should also do a lot of what? Confessing and forgiving. Okay? Confession and forgiveness. Look at Proverbs 28. 28. I don't know if this happens a lot in, in, uh, in young friendships, you know, friendships that you guys are involved in. Because, I don't know, maybe, maybe you find it comfortable. Oh, confess my sin? Oh, I don't, we don't do that. You know, we just talk about video games and church and, and school and the books we're reading. I hope, I hope that's not your attitude. Uh, seeking forgiveness and granting forgiveness? Uh, that's like what my parents do. We don't do that. Uh, this is important. Okay, this is important in, the, in a friendship, in a relationship. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Okay? He who conceals his transgressions or sin, what does it say? What's the promise? If you keep your sin, if you don't confess it, what's going to happen to you? You will not prosper. Okay? But look at the opposite. Okay? In this one, it's not synonym. It's the opposite because there's, there's a word in the second line, which is but. Okay? But he who confesses and what? Forsakes this sin will find what? Compassion. Okay, if you are a true friend, if your friend comes to you and confesses a sin that they committed against you and they are planning on forsaking it, you will be compassionate toward that friend. You will forgive that friend. Okay? This is an important passage, guys. I, I use this all the time in counseling and discipleship. Again, uh, you know, two Christians having an argument or even a, a, a husband and a wife or even just an individual sinning against God. This, this verse is my go-to. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes it will find compassion. So you have three, you have three specific ways of handling sin, right? The first one is what? What's the first, first one? Yeah, don't conceal. Okay, that's the first one. You stop concealing your sin. That means you swallow your pride and stop minimizing your sin and stop excusing your sin in front of your friend. Here's what you do next, okay? You confess your sin to your friend. That means you tell your friend that you've sinned against your friend, that person. And guess what? You need to, you need to use what the Bible calls that sin. Again, don't excuse, don't minimize, don't say... Hey, you know, I know you were offended last night, uh, but I didn't really mean to offend you. And um, that's just kind of how you took it. Uh, so sorry about that. <laughs> Is that a biblical way of confessing a sin? No. 
No, just swallow your pride, own it, and say, hey, what I said last night, I could tell that you were offended by it. I'm sorry that I offended you because you were the one who offended the friend. Right? Sorry I offended you. Please forgive me. You know, you know how, I, how we uh, train our kids to, to start practicing this, confession and forgiveness? We, we, again, you know, we're talking to like two-year-olds all the way up to nine, right? So, so we teach them that they need to confess the action that they did to the sibling, whether it was a mean word or, you know, like punching in the gut, right, or throwing a toy in the car, right? So, so I'm, hey, I'm sorry for that. And then we train them that, to, that they need to seek forgiveness for the heart motive. Sorry I punched you. Please forgive me because I was angry. Okay? That's very important in the friendship. Okay, sorry that I, that I gossiped about you. Please forgive me because I just wanted to become more popular than you. You just got to say it and stop saying words that the Bible don't use or minimize it and excuse it. Because what? The more you confess in the relationship, the more you forgive, then you get closer and closer. That's, that's what really makes a companionship relationship. Okay? You guys talk to your parents, if, you know, especially those who have been married for a long time. Okay? Find older folks in the church who have been married for a long time. Guess what? They've done a lot of sinning against each other. But if, they've, they, but, if they, but if they've stopped concealing and they've been confessing and forgiving and forsaking and repenting for all those decades, guess what? That relationship is solid because they've done this over and over and over. So that's, that's what you guys need to apply, confession and forgiveness. And again, don't, don't believe the lie that, oh, that's, you know, Married people do that, you know. Uh, we don't do that. We're all about fun. No, don't, don't do that, okay? Guess what? When you get older and you're still friends, all the fun stuff that you used to do, all the Legos that you used to share, most likely that's not going to be the substance of your friendship anymore. What, it, what is it going to be? When you have confessed your sin and you have given, granted forgiveness to each other. That's what builds trust. Okay, not the hobbies that you guys do. That doesn't build trust. It's when you are vulnerable to say, hey, I am a sinner, I sin against you. Please forgive me for my proud heart. And then you forgive that person and you get closer and closer and closer. Here's the third one. Okay, third one, confrontation. Confrontation. Now, we all know that confrontation is hard, right? We don't like giving it nor getting it. Who here likes giving confrontations? Who likes here receiving confrontations? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to give it, and it's hard to get it. You know why? Because we love being what? Liked. That's really it. Right? We don't like giving it, and we don't like giving it because we like being liked. We love being liked. You know what the Bible calls that? Fear of man. Okay, listen, students, whatever you fear, whoever you fear, you will worship. Okay, if you fear man, you will worship man. You'll think about, oh, you know, I don't want them to think differently of me. I want them to keep liking me. I want them to keep sharing their stuff with me, right? In a way, you're worshiping that person. So you're, gonna, you're going to avoid confrontation. 
And if you fear man more than God, you'll end up harming your friends rather than helping them. Look at Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Verse 6. You guys have heard this before. Maybe you've even memorized this one. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, is that talking about physical wounds? No, no, it's not. Okay, the, this, is, this is not talking about physical wounds. It's not saying, hey, you know, you know just, just hurt your friend, wound your friend. That's faithful. That's a faithful friend. It's not saying that. This is referring to when a friend who cares about you tells you the truth and it's meant for your good even that even though that friend knows that it might cause you some pain or difficulty to hear it so in a sense it's kind of like wounding wounding your pride wounding your conscience you can say faithful are the wounds of a friend but look at the the opposite second line but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy okay remember this students when when, uh, when, when greed is the economy, uh, flattery is the currency. Okay, when, when, you have, when you're with friends who are just greedy, you know, just, just in it for, for themselves, guess what, guess what they're going to use to get whatever they want? Flattery. Okay, flattery. They're going to flatter people. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That's talking about flattery. If you have a so-called friend who just tells you what you want to hear and never, wa- and never what you need to hear, you can almost guarantee that they're driven by greed. They, they want two main things, to be perceived however they want to be perceived and to keep friends for whatever selfish motives they have in their hearts. So you want a friend who will confront you when you sin. Okay, you want to learn as a young person how to confront a friend when they sin. Because if you're all about flattery, avoiding confrontation, you know, avoiding giving it, avoiding receiving it, you're really being greedy. Okay? You really just want something out of the friendship that's selfishly motivated. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Now, I wanted to end... Uh, extra early because, because I want to I wanna hear from you guys how you would apply this in real life friendship situations. So, so talk to me about this, okay? Specifically the second half. Love, loving your friends, confession, forgiveness, and, and confrontation. What do you guys need help in to apply these principles from Proverbs? Maybe you already have some life friendship scenarios that you were thinking about. Because I can give you proverbs and principles, but I know you need help how to, how to apply them, how to walk them through. We have a few minutes. And it, you, you don't have to say your friend's name, too. And, it, and if it's you, you can just say, I know someone who knows someone. Yeah. <laughs> yes? Yeah, yeah, it can, it can be about any of these principles, yeah. Great question. I love that question. Yeah. So you're saying 
someone wants to gossip with you, share an information with you that you don't really want to know, how do you stop that? How do you deal with that? Okay, great, great, good question. Here's my answer, okay? And this is, I think, the best answer out there. I'm not saying that because it came from me, because it did not come from me. It, beca- it came from a really, really experienced pastor. Again, pastors have a lot of information about people, okay? I know stuff about a lot of people in the church. Um, and, then, and then people come to me and they say, hey, you know, did you know that Mark Jones did this or Sally, Sally something said this, you know? You know, what I, you know how I handle those situations? I say, hey, before you share that with me, I just want to let you know that information is a burden. Okay, that's my view. Okay, I view information in this context, information about people, as a burden. What, what do I mean by that? That means that once you share that with me, I'm going to carry it. That means I'm going to go home on my drive home with my wife who wants to tell me how I did with my lesson. I'm going to be thinking about what you just shared with me. And then when, when I'm going to read the Bible story to my kids tonight, guess what? I might be thinking about that information that you shared with me. And guess what? Next Sunday, I see that person at church. Guess what I'm going to think about? That information that you shared with me about that person. So before you share that information with me, I just want to let you know that I... My view of information about people is, is a burden, a personal burden that I'm going to have to carry in my mind. That's number one. Secondly, secondly, why do I need to know about that information? I don't care if the information is right, if the information is old or new. I don't care. I just need to know why, why do you think I need to know. And then thirdly, uh, did that, person you, did that person give you permission to share that with me? That, that's kind of the, those are the three filters that I go through when somebody comes to me and want to share something about another person. Information is a burden. Why do I need to know about it? Do you have permission to tell me? I normally don't get to the second and third uh, after I tell them, hey, you know, I'm a pastor. I think about people all the time. I care for people. That's my responsibility. So once you share something with me, um, you know, I don't know if you really want to put that burden on me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't want to do that. You're already so, you know, burdened by a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. But if you, if you think that I need to know as a pastor, uh, talk to that person. You know, I hope you have confronted that person about this issue. If you haven't and you're sharing all these things, then that's a different story, right? But if you've already confronted that person and you tell them, hey, I think Pastor Roy or, or, or our friend Rachel really needs to know about this so they can help you, and the person says yes, then come back and tell me. So, that helpful? Okay. Good, good, good question about gossip. What else, guys? Arguing, gossiping, um, jealousy, envy, loving, confrontation, confessing your sin, forgiving your friend. Yeah, Emery. How would you go about confronting someone who isn't a Christian until you know if you confront them they're not going to see it as helpful, they're just going to get very mad at you? Okay, great question too. That's a great question. How do you confront a friend who is not a Christian? Right? 
Um, here's how I would do it. And I don't remember the last time I've had to do that, you know, a, a non-Christian friend to confront. Um, first, I want to make sure that it is a, a, a sinful issue. If it's just preference, guys, let it go. Okay? Let it go. Again, I, we argue a lot because we're easily offended. If it's a preference or opinion, you know, they don't think about the government the way you do, or they don't wear, this, they don't wear the same t-shirt that you do, just let that stuff go, okay? But when it's a sinful issue, when the Bible clearly talks about this and the Bible calls it sin and that people should not do it, especially Christians, and when unbelievers do it, 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 it has, you know, consequences, then that's what you confront. So here's what I do. I call this the, the Oreo uh, confrontation, okay? I find something that I appreciate about the person or the relationship, and I, and I give him the cream filling of the confrontation, the best part. And then I reaffirm my love or my, in, my interest or investment in the relationship. So here's, here's, here's what I would do. I would say, hey, uh, Susie, um, I, um, I love it that we're friends, right? And you got to be honest. You got to mean what you say. I love it that we are friends. I am so glad that, that you and I are friends and that, and that we're growing in our friendships. Um, but I've been thinking about the things that, that uh, either you or me can do to, to uh, stop that growth or ruin that growth or even, or even destroy the friendship. And uh, lately I have been hearing or seeing, whatever that is, again, a sinful, a sinful issue. Um, and I'm concerned for two things. I'm concerned for you, and secondly, I'm concerned for this friendship that I dearly hold. Um, so can, can we talk about that? Is there, is, there, is, is there anything that I am doing that's causing you to do that? Is there anything that I'm not doing that I should be doing to help you not to do those things? And then I think that'd be a, a great conversation. The person doesn't have to be a Christian to really see that. Right, but I think I think that can be a um, a headway to gospel conversation, talking about not just her but you, and really focusing on the growth of the friendship. Um, and then at the end, I just affirm my love. Hey, you know I love you, right? That's why that's why I say these things. I know they can be painful. I'm not I'm not saying that it's not painful. I'm not saying that it's not awkward. It is painful. It is awkward. But you know why I do this because I love you. And I hope that when I, when I do these things, she would also love me enough to, to, to get my attention and talk to me about it. That's the Oreo confrontation. Uh, but make sure that it's over issues that are actually biblical and sinful. Okay? It, it, it goes a long ways when you affirm your love for the other person when you affirm what you're really concerned about, you know, their spiritual well-being and the relationship. Because that kind of that takes away the, oh, you know, the opinions, the preferences. It's not about that. So, good. What, one, one more. One more question or scenario. That's good. Gossiping, confrontation, what else? 
Yes, Mr. Hudson, Christmas. A friend who's always about exposing your sin and, and never pointing the finger at them. Yeah, so, yeah, the question is, yeah, he's always confronting you, but when it comes to sins that actually both you and him are, are guilty, he, he doesn't receive confrontation? Um, yeah, what I, what I would do in that situation is let him keep confronting you. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that, that people confront us that are not true, but there's also a lot of true things that they just don't see that they should be confronting us in. So that's the grace from the Lord. Um, so I would just let him keep doing that, and uh, I would probably make the, the circle wider so that another person can see the pattern, and then you and that person can confront that person. So it's not so, it's, it doesn't become personal. You know, so it's not like, hey, you're, you're always confronting me, you know, but you never let me confront you. That kind of gets personal, but I think when you widen the, the circle of, or the sphere of the friendship, now you have another person in there. Now that friend is now confronting that person, and then you and that friend, are not, you see the pattern here? Yeah, yeah. So both of us, let's go to him and talk to him. I think that's going to be more received and... Um, and it's not going to be so personal. That's probably how I would approach that. But I, I wouldn't ask him to stop confronting me. I can, I, we should be able to handle confrontations, even, even when they're subtly off. So, All right. Um, let's close in prayer. Me and Ryan, I'm going to race you. I'm going to sprint and get change. He's getting baptized, and I'm baptizing him, so... We gotta, we gotta get into our swimming trunks. Okay, so make sure you you're in there so you can hear Ryan and uh, and another person from our church. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the wisdom from your word, specifically from Proverbs, and a lot of them apply to our relationships, to our friendships. I pray that that this was helpful to the students, and that we would all apply it so that we can develop our friendships, so that so that we can. Um, we can use relationships the way you intended uh, for growth, for companionship, and uh, to be pleasing to you. So thank you. Thank you for these principles. Uh, we pray for Ryan. Pray that he won't be nervous, too nervous. Pray that he would be clear with his testimony and also the other person who's going to get baptized and that we would just praise you for the power of salvation and the love that you have shown us in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.